What up, what up, y'all? My name is Kel. My name is Anna. And you're tuning to Cognac, Cupcakes, and Conversations. CCC is a podcast with a twist. Cognac, Cupcakes, and Stimulating Conversations. Because it's not just about us anymore. And we're striving to promote awareness of issues affecting our communities. In short, it's a vibe. Yes, vibe. Vibe, girl. Vibe. Oh, vibe. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, vibe. It's a whole vibe. Something yes. I'm over here drinking some water today. Y'all know the countdown is on to the micro wedding. Um, so, you know, we're just trying to behave. I know you over there sipping on some tea, my love. Yep. Oh, hot chocolate. That's right. Hot chocolate. <laughs> we was just talking about how the weather is so cold outside. Um, well, not cold, but you know that that brisk, that brisk is coming through. It's coming through. It's it's blowing. It's blowing. Right, right. You know, it's funny. Like amidst all the stuff that's going on with COVID, that's the first thing I thought about. Like, oh, so this is about to be that type of season, you know? Like, right. That's what I felt. I was like, okay, so I'm gonna make sure I stock up on all my teas this week. You know, payday's coming up. Mm-hmm. All that because, and then I'm about to retreat and really hibernate from everybody. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I plan to do the exact same. You know what's funny? I just was stocking up on some candles. <laughs> um, yesterday, we went to the mall and went to Bath and Bed Bath and Body Works, and I love a good soy candle. And they, um, they, I don't know if their candles are soy. I think they're essential oil blend, but they got some pretty decent candles. Their white barn candles are, are pretty decent. So I got like a marshmallow fireside. Um, I got like crisp morning. Um, I got two little uh, t- champagne toast smells, and then. Oh, you like champagne toast? Girl, champagne toast is all over my house. I use it for their soap. Oh, Oh, wow. Okay, well, I got that actually for for October. So for the thing. So um, interesting. And now I know that. Now I know what to get you when I get a candle. But um, yeah, you know, soon, soon. Yeah, I also got some like cinnamon and some other like warmer sm- smells for when it's like more closer to the christmas holiday and the sale because they had a sale for like the three-week candle yeah they did i caught the sale the first time but um the second time when i went this past monday it wasn't a sale yeah so <laughs> but speaking of sale uh we need to know what we're talking about today because it does have to do with 
um, some sales of sex trafficking and all of that. Um, we got some really special guests on today's episode, uh, and we're just having a we're continuing the conversation, right, Kel? Yes, we're definitely continuing the conversation of protect our girls, protect these lovely, beautiful, luscious curls that we have, and protect our world. And how um, how we can do that with like being a village, being a community. How we can do that with stepping up and taking action. So we are going to have sit down with our experts of the Black and Missing Incorporated, which are so excited to get into that interview a little bit later on in the show. And make sure everyone, if you have the opportunity, you know, you look back at our IG live, we'll have a little feed of it, I'm sure, so that you can um, catch the clippings of when we did an IG live with them. Yes. Yes, thanks to DC Now events. Um, so we're excited. We're gonna be recording that tomorrow, actually. So yes, by the time you guys hear this, you should be um, well aware of our IG Live. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, we're gonna go ahead and dig straight into the righteousness and ratchetness so we can get to our interview. Oh, oh my God, yes, I'm sorry. I'm so excited for the interview. I hopped right over, hopscotched right over. <laughs> <laughs> Your motivational moment, Kel. My bad. No problem, no problem. So this week's motivational moment is another miscaism, and it is surround yourself with people who have dreams, desires, and ambitions, and they'll help you push and realize your own. So I'm calling out to all of y'all people out here, all of our girls, all of our homeboys that are sitting on a, our proverbial um, virtual couch with us. Who is in your circle? Are they elevating you or are they draining you? Make sure you're keeping good company. All right. And now we can get into that tea. All right. It's balance. Ratchetness and righteousness is the yin and the yang of life. You got to be equally yoked with both. Okay. So like we said, we're jumping headfirst into this righteousness and righteousness because we're trying to swim on through this channel and get on over to the talk topics. So... First and foremost, this news just broke just now. Um, Cardi B and Offset are getting a divorce. So apparently she posted on her IG live yesterday, which would be Monday for us that are, that are listening, that she um, basically was ready to move on and... Um, Underneath it was some kind of meme phrase saying that I couldn't find my phone. <laughs> so, it was some kind of meme phrase where she said, let me go. Her heart finally told her to stop wasting her time. And then underneath that, you can tell where she wrote, it said, it's time with a wink face. And Cardi B, I, I couldn't help but read it as, it's time. <laughs> you know how Cardi B be doing her little gravy voice episode. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'm sorry to hear this, you know? <laughs> What'd you say, Kel? I said, me, me too, me too. I was, you know, I feel like I was rooting for them. I love the little hood love that they had, you know? Um, and then Black love in general, like, I, I wanted to, to stay together. I wanted to stand the test of times but if they're not acting right and it's not making you no longer serving you or just not good for you then i understand when it's time it's time and she's bowing out gracefully 
Yep. And so they got all the receipts, child. Okay. They're unposted. The Fulton County Magistrate State and Superior Court Records Search reports um and it said the case information was belka lee's like it had her whole name and his whole name kari kendrill cephas so um the latest and greatest about this is that she is actually asking for child support she wants legal custody and physical custody of culture um in the divorce so yeah very 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 sorry to hear that um kanye west was ranting again and i'm gonna just leave it at that you know bless his heart some of the things that um, kanye west says though i get it because this rant was mostly about him feeling like um you know we're enslaved by the music industry um well his fellow rap artists and he was basically calling out j cole and drake saying he doesn't want to fight with them anymore over um music that and record at record companies that they don't even own um and he said until we're free until you know all of us are free none of us are free you know he was on that tip and saying in jesus name you know <laughs> so um some of the stuff dennis was reading it to me and i was like you know what i i he makes sense he it's the delivery and the timing that doesn't make sense which again goes back to it's probably a manic episode that he's experiencing and so um i know he just had that interview with nick cannon the other day where he seemed a little more sane in that interview and a little more calm um so i'm disappointed to hear um him going down that path again but at the same time i get it and i think we just need to kind of look at um Kanye during this time as you know on certain occasions that's what he's gonna do but like kind of just look into what he's saying and um don't always judge it um moving on so Andrew Gilliam is he a senator like what what is he um I know it's in Florida and he was running for governor right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so so he was running for governor um, of Florida, and of course he lost. He he was swindled. We all know the story. Um, and then a few months later, he got caught in a hotel in Miami with um, a male escort, and he had vomited on himself. He was passed out. There was drugs all over the place, and not weed. Okay, like some serious shit. And um, as a result, I think it was like meth, right? It was meth um yeah so as a result um he kind of disappeared off into obscurity he said he was there for a wedding and he just got too drunk but um later he came out a few months later you know of course what what he like somewhat benefited from was actually covid happening because this really would have been a huge scandal but covid was killing niggas out here so we couldn't focus on just him (laughs) so uh (laughs) right the global pandemic perfect time to have this type of uh affair and scandal so (laughs) and get away with it so anyway um as most of you may already know he's married with children so this was extra scandalous um and he did come out and say 
that he did do, um, he did have uh, alcoholic addiction and he went into a deep depression after he lost the race. He did not address his sexuality until he went on the Tamron, um, don't remember her last name show, Tamron Hall. Thank you, Kel. The Tamron Hall um, show, I guess it was some satellite interview type shit. And he basically confirmed on there that he is indeed bisexual. Um, whatever floaty boat, bruh, I just want him to, you know, not only live in his truth. Oh, and just to be clear, apparently his wife did say, I don't know if it was in that interview or separately because I didn't watch the interview, but from the tea that I did hear, his wife actually did know that he was bisexual. Um, that's not news to her. So at the end of the day, um, you know, it's extra scandalous because of the world that we live in and he was with a man. But if he was with a woman um, with those same amount of drugs and pass out and throw up all over himself, it's still fucked up to his family. So I just hope that he can be faithful to his wife. I, I do wonder if his wife is, you know, going to stand by his side, you know, through all of this after, you know, he does this announcement um, later on on some Will and Jada shit, you know, or if um, she will eventually divorce him. Um, there was something else I was thinking about with them, but I can't remember what it is. But um, Kel, you have any thoughts? Yeah, I think that was my initial reaction. I was like, did his wife know? That's what I, I was trying to find out. Um, I knew that she did do the interview alongside with him, maybe not together, like a joint side by side, but she was interviewed as well. But I, I didn't have, like you, I didn't listen to the interview. I just knew that it was coming up on her show and it was supposed to be juicy. So when the announcement came out that he was bisexual, I was like, oh, that makes sense. You know, like, it's just like confirming, putting all the pieces together. Right. Um, and to, you know, I guess, say, to make a comment back on what you were talking about, like, if it was a woman in there in that situation instead of another uh, gay male escort or whatever, it would probably just it would have the same effect because it'll bring back like the Marion Barry um, ordeal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he was doing crack, right? Yeah, he was doing crack and um, and the cows that had that recording. So I think it would either way, it, it just, it wouldn't look good. <laughs> right. Well, one thing that I do remember what I was going to say, a lot of people are bringing up is the fact that he's, they all feel that he's rushing to heal from this um whatever is going on whether it's a political um game like he's trying to jump on the bandwagon to support um kamala harris by any chance but um they all feel as though like listen whatever you went through that had you doing all them drugs listen this is this is a little soon that you out here making public appearances again you probably needed to sit down a little longer give us a year because that just happened at the top of the year. Give us a year and then come back, you know, fully refreshed. Like you didn't have to rush on back. But either way, prayers up to him and his family. And I hope he, you know, stays out of trouble. Like stay and stay off the drugs, man. Like doing all that extra shit. Like you got a whole family, bro. I know you want to, you know, decompose and de-stress. But like find a different way, bro. Find a different way. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other tea 
that we care about this week. I'm, let me go in the shade room, see. Oh, well, you know what? I know that I wanted to talk to you about the show called Woke. Um, so that's this new show based off of um, a comic um, named, not a comic, but a comic drawer. What do you call it? Com- comic artist? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Keith Knight is his name. And he is from the Bay Area, San Francisco. And it's based off of an experience um, that he had where the cops tackled him. And he used to be, you know, kind of like on the tip, like the Oreo tip of like, oh, you know, why does everything have to be about race? Like, I'm just drawing and it doesn't, it's not that serious. And he was on the verge of, at least in the show, he's on the verge of really like blowing up with his comic strip. Um, and, you know, getting, you know, all kind of endorsements and stuff. And then this happens and then it kind of forces him to be quote unquote woke and he can't see himself doing the same comic strips and just unaware, you know, kind of comedy that he was doing before. Like he feels the strong urge to bring light to what happens to black people in America and just the the path that that takes him on. So I remember, I remember seeing this ad like probably like in April, like when they first started promoting it, Kel, you had sent it to me, you and Dave. Um, I am going to say that when I, and I was excited to watch it. When me and Dennis watched it this week, I was severely disappointed personally um, at first. I was like, yo, because, you know, I'm already over here watching Power 2, and um, <laughs> I'll talk about that after. And then, of course, what's actually getting really good now, which at first I didn't want to watch it, but what's getting really good now is Lovecraft Country. That's really getting good. But anyway, yeah, on the heels of watching Power Book 2, uh, Ghost, and Lovecraft Country, and of course, before that, um, P-Valley, you know, this shit, I'm like, what the fuck is this? To me, it felt like it was catering to the white crowd, the white audience, um, to be a woke show for the white audience, to be able, it was palatable for them. But towards the end of the season, um, because it's one of them shows where they released the whole series at once, the whole season at once, um, I could appreciate what happened towards the end and stuff like that. Um, but what were your thoughts? Um, okay, I think it was exactly what I expected. I feel like they were trying to build the characters in the show. And um, <laughs> the building does take a, a while. It, it takes a while because I guess you got to understand like why this person feels like they shouldn't have to be um, quote unquote woke or whatever mm-hmm. and so I understand what you're saying like as far as like beginning part it does definitely appeal to the white community for real um, but as the show goes on like you said it definitely it does. was corny like the comedy was really the comedy was really corny to me that's that's what I was just, it was very I don't know if slapstick is the right word it might not be but like it was just really like when he was throwing stuff around in the auditorium like it was just mad unrealistic and corny and, and it just wasn't funny. It, I didn't laugh like with my mouth until probably like the third or fourth episode. That's when I started to laugh, honestly. But go ahead, go. No, I, no, I feel you. I get you on that. Um, I think maybe with different writers, 
it might appeal a little bit more to the um to the black audience you know what it gave me vibes of it was another hulu show that was it gave me those same type of vibes um the one with zoe kravitz i can't remember oh high fidelity yeah i heard that got canceled yeah it gave me those type of vibes like so i i, I went into it with the unexpectation of it being that really really funny black show <laughs> So I wasn't wasn't that disappointed, but um, I haven't finished it yet. I'm probably on like, I have two more episodes left and then the show is ending after that. So we'll see. We'll see if this one gets renewed. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, second to last, I did want to bring up the story of what happened to that young 12 year old in um, in Colorado. Um, So a 12 year old, um, and I'm gonna look up his name right now, right now. Um, a young man was on Zoom doing school, um, you know, as we all are now. His name is Isaiah Elliott. He was, he's in the seventh grade and he was on Zoom playing with a toy gun during his class. And the teacher felt the need to email his um, parent, his mother, and bring it up to bring it to her attention and be like, hey, you know, this is what's going on. Like, what's up? Um, you know, your son is, dis- you know, being distracted or whatever. So then, she, and she also asked he or she, whatever the teacher was, asked um, what the if the toy Nerf gun was real. And so then the parent was like, yes, it's a Nerf gun. It, it, you know, I'm sorry about that. You know, I'll make sure he puts it in. Whatever happened. Well. That teacher felt the need to still go ahead and report it to the principal or the vice principal, who then felt the need to call the cops and have the cops sent to their home in which there was threats for arrest. He now has a record. And within that record, um, they're listing that he brought a toy gun um, that looked very much like a regular gun to school why why yeah and when you see the gun because i was like i gotta see what this gun looks like for all this gun looks like a real gun they're all colorful (laughs) so i i can't i can't imagine what could be mistaken for a real gun that's a nerf gun uh well if you look at the picture um in the link that i sent you the gun is different than a regular Nerf gun to me. Cause I was like, yo, a Nerf gun. Um, and so apparently this is a Nerf gun, but it says zombie hunter on it. So the bottom part of the gun where the handle is, does look like a black, you know, gun, but it's definitely a fake gun because the whole top is neon green. And then the end of it is orange and then it says zombie hunter on it like really really you know so (laughs) i just of course the school is you know totally you know brushing aside any accusations of racism or discrimination they said we never have or ever will condone any form of racism or discrimination. Safety will always be number one for our students and staff. We follow board policies, safety protocols consistently, whether we are in person or distant fucking learning. 
I added the fucking. Um, <laughs> the Elliots have decided to pull him out of that school because they're actually in the military and they are on a waiting list for a charting school, charter school. So I pray that charter school, you know, once they get wind of this, that they're able to, you know, fast track that process. But Kel, you having a 12 year old, how do you feel about, like just the fact that this, this can happen. Yeah, when I, when you initially sent me the story, like, I think I saw a link about the story before and I wasn't, like, I just burst past it. And then right. to me, I actually got the chance to kind of like look over it a little bit more. And from a parent perspective, I understand like if a child is playing with a gun in the middle of the toy gun um, in the middle of class, it can be very distracting. I think it could have just stopped with the teacher notifying the parent like, hey, make sure that there's no toys happening while we're in class. While we're in class, we need the students to be paying attention. And it could have been left at that and if the principal if the teacher's responsibility is to quote unquote explain share that with the principal the principal could have sent like a really non-generic you know generic um email out like they do for everything else and mm-hmm. like we're not allowed to have any toys or anything like that during our virtual learning this is still a school environment and kept it at that sending cops having records that's just it's too much it's way too it's much too much you know, like, I not understand it, it's more difficult because to keep students, you know, um, motivated and to allow having a space, because a lot of parents don't have space. You don't know what their home environment is like. They could be rooming with, you know, a multitude of families. You, you just, you don't know what their situation is. So they're probably not going to have that quiet space. So it, we do have to be a little bit more um, understanding to the students and what they're dealing with. And um, I just feel like it's crazy. Like I know today Eric's school had an incident and I'll try to make this brief. He was in school doing a Zoom class and it literally sounded like a porn in the background. (laughs) And the teacher was trying to like delete the classroom, but it just was getting louder and louder. So like, I understand like how these distractions could be a lot for children because then now that that happened now all the kids are cackling and laughing like oh it was this in the background blah 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 like we couldn't see anything but we can hear everything it was like really really loud yeah so you just got to be sympathetic to what these kids home environments are you don't know (laughs) in a virtual learning wow wow yeah yeah (sighs) and lastly but definitely not least there is an update on Brianna Taylor's, um, you know, her the justice for her killing. Uh, I also want to shout out um, this shirt that I'm wearing. I got one of the arrests, the cops that killed um, Brianna Taylor uh, t-shirts. I am feeling this. I love this. Um, I'll make sure that we post um, the people that made it. I forgot the name of the brand. But um, this shirt is so fire. I love this shirt. Um, We also have some shirts coming up soon this week, too, that you guys will like to see. Um, uh, But Breonna Taylor's family reportedly won a multi-million dollar settlement um, in the wrongful death lawsuit against the city of Louisville. Uh, The city of Louisville, Kentucky, will be paying her family $12 million. Um, and has agreed to adopt the number, a number of police reforms to settle a wrongful death lawsuit. 
Taylor was killed in March in a in what they call a botched police raid. And um, this was revealed by the New York Times. Um, this was partially why I liked the ending of Woke. Um, did you watch it? Okay. I'll save it. But what, um, what I will say is that it called attention to how easily and quickly things can be swept under the rug um, and how they love to do that, especially police officers. Um, and they love to be, you know, victims in these scenarios. Oh, we were scared. Or, oh, you know, my child won't look at me the same way because you're trying to say I'm this villain. You know, oh, I have a family too. And it's never enough accountability, in my opinion. Now, I am not judging Brianna Taylor's family, so don't get me wrong. You know, I'm glad that they're getting some money, you know, but unfortunately, that money, we all know, you know, I know they know this going into it. That money is not going to bring Brianna Taylor back. And I feel like there definitely has to be some more atonement. I just saw in the news earlier this week or over the weekend how this Hispanic family in, um, where was that? Was that Texas? I don't know. But either way, this Hispanic family had some police officers do a battle ram into their home. And they kept telling them through the door, you have the wrong house. This is not the house. And, and they still chose to bust in through the door. The, and the um, father of the home, he actually was a, um, a retired police officer. And the sad thing is that it's his daughter's 15th birthday and they were in there celebrating that. So she will always have that memory of her 15th birthday of being arrested and pulled into the pulled outside you know her brother or cousin who uncle whoever the young guy was he was um you know bruised up his arm you know got hurt while they were dragging him out and stuff and of course when they realized it was the wrong home they was like well you know they're all every home that we go to they say that person doesn't live here so you know we had to do what we had to do but really though like, what are y'all, I want to know the charges are when y'all are using these fucking big ass sticks. Like, y'all be coming out like y'all looking for ogres. Like, y'all hunting for ogres. Like, y'all, y'all have all kinds of artillery to bust into the house. You know there's probably children there. Where's the, the training on, on all of that? Like, why are there so many casualties? Because this is, you know, in the, what's that, uh, song that j cole did um cricket smile or whatever it's called yeah in that video he was talking about that back then in the cricket smile video how there's little girls being little kids being killed whenever they do these damn raids so i just feel like there needs to be um you know like they said they're going to adopt um better procedures and methods of doing these raids or whatever but it's like do y'all gotta do all that when you think about it do y'all really have to do all that y'all hunting black people i believe that it stems from back in like the 90s like early 90s before mm-hmm. it was either reagan or bush it was one of those two the first bush mm-hmm. i feel like it was reagan um mm-hmm. 
started that um the raids and that was like back in LA when they was doing it like real heavy body when um matter of fact it wasn't even the nineties. I think that was like eighties. That was like crack era. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When they was doing those raids and they were just like fucking up people's houses. Like yes. it's just like strictly the black and brown communities. It wasn't like the white communities that they can just go in and knock on the door. You have a warrant for your arrest, just turn around, you know, and read them their rights and go home and go about their ways. Um and I guess my issue with the um with these raids, I think the no knock is just I understand that from my understanding, from my perspective, after watching the Hulu video on um Brianna Taylor's documentary, which was really sad, um the no knock mm. it was only supposed to be originally for the narcotics, which I can, I guess I can mm-hmm. kind of understand because it's meant to like catch them in the act. And it's very, according to like the way the rules are written, the laws written or whatever for the no knock, it's um, in order for it, them to get a no knock, um, what do you call that? Warrant like, or like, yeah, yeah, like they have to have seen you in the act before do it. Like they have to have multiple evidence to say that this is, this warrants, this no knock, so I can catch you again in the act doing ex- exactly what, you know, whatever is listed on that warrant. Brianna Taylor's situation was just completely uncalled for. They've never seen her in the act of anything. And they're basing all of this information off of her prior relationship with the ex-boyfriend, which also goes back to what we talked about in our motivational moment with be careful of the company that you keep because you just never know whatever stigma, whatever they got going on with them, how it can be quickly attached to you. So um, it just, it's, it's, it's sad. It's unfortunate. Um, I really do hope that she she does get more justice other than just the settlement for money but knowing how underhanded the political um powers that be and how underhanded the um not even just political but like the police or and the law how they work they probably put some sort of non-disclosure agreement in her saying that she cannot go back and you know try to seek justice outside of that um settlement money and for that it's like that's kind of like dangling the care. I'm not saying that she didn't, ha- she comes from no money, but you can tell that she wasn't, you know, they were probably middle class. Yeah, right, right, and, right. You know, so dangling the carrot of here's 12 million so you can get out your situation for your house or, you know, da da da. I think that that was some bullshit for that. And you have to be, you have to have a strong mind. And it's hard to do that when you are still trying to grieve the fact that your daughter has died and you didn't get any justice or any questions or answers to why this happened so um yeah like i said prayers up for that family <laughs> that's a lot indeed, indeed. and on that note um i think yeah we can cut it off right there um y'all pay attention to these the, this war between um joe budden and, and Charlemagne. though I, I might touch on that um next week instead of this week um but it's a lot of it's a lot of tea it's a lot of tea brewing over there so um yeah i'll address that next week (laughs) but until then you know while we're on this topic of protecting our girls and protecting our black women um we're gonna go ahead and jump headfirst into this interview i'm so excited we have Black and Missing Incorporated Foundation um, that we're going to be chatting with. And let's get to it. All right. 
Welcome, welcome, guys. Um, we have a very special interview going on today on the Cognac Cupcakes and Conversations podcast. Um, we have some members from the Black and Missing Incorporated Foundation. Um, we have Derica and Natalie. And, you know, I don't even want to, you know, talk too much more. I want them to go ahead and introduce themselves. So, Derica, we'll start with you as the CEO. Okay. I am Derricka Wilson, um, co-founder of Black and Missing Foundation, born and raised in Spartanburg, South Carolina. I moved up to the D.C. area in 1999. Um, I graduated from the Northern Virginia Criminal Justice Academy. I became the first and only Black female police officer in the history of the City of Falls Church Agency. Um, And I am married with two beautiful children. I'm actually married to Natalie's brother. And oh, wow. he's the man on the face of this earth. <laughs> and I say that all the time. But um, you know, I this is home for me and 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 you know this is what we love to do, just give back to our community. So it's definitely a pleasure to be on here. All right. And I'm Natalie Wilson, co-founder of the Black and Missing Foundation. I'm originally from Trinidad, and I came to the U.S. at a very early age. Um, attended high school here in D.C., um, college at Howard University, and I've been living in the city um, ever since um, in PR and have been doing that for many, many years, and I'm very passionate about utilizing um, media for the good for the cause. Nice. And Natalie, okay, you know, anytime someone says they're West Indian, I have to say something because my parents are West Indian too from Grenada and Panama. So I just, you know, we don't have to, we really, we were kiki before we started recording, but we've all gonna have to kiki after. Grenada is very close to Trinidad. Yes, it is right there. So, um, uh, yes, I'll get into my ancestry later with you, but, um, (laughs) 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 but, um, yes, today's episode is all about, um, continuing our conversation about protecting our girls, our world and our curls. And so, um, we first stumbled upon Black and Missing when we were watching Insecure. Our listeners know how much we love Insecure. And we thought um, that there was like a podcast afterwards for, um, what was the looking girl's name La- again? Looking for Latoya. 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 Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, looking for Latoya. And it was so fresh and different. And, it, and I really, it was just such a great way to get people to start that conversation and so um you know we want to dig deeper and learn more about black and missing so why and how did you start an organization focused on finding black missing people okay so i'll start the inspiration behind the black and missing foundation is a young lady by the name of tamika houston who went missing from derrica's hometown of spartanburg south carolina And we read how her aunt was in media relations or is in media relations. And she really struggled to get any type of media coverage um, for her niece's disappearance. And a little while later, Natalie Holloway went missing. I'm sure you've all heard of her name. And she dominated the news. 
And we wanted to see, you know, is there an issue in our community? Are people of color not disappearing? Are, you know, white women disappearing more? And we did some research and at the time, 30% of all persons missing were of color. And since 2008, that number has grown to 40% and it continues to grow. So that's the inspiration behind it. The motivation behind it are all of the missing people and their families who rely on us um, to help find them. We're really their last resort. No one is helping. They're not getting the media coverage. You're not getting assistance from law enforcement and they don't know what to do. So that's why Derek and I joined forces. I'm in media relations. She's in law enforcement. And those are the two critical professions needed to help us find us and to bring awareness to our missing. Wow, that is crazy. Why is it that when our black sisters and brothers go missing, it goes under the radar? Like, I'm trying to understand what is the, what is the connection of why we aren't spoken about? Like, why, why don't we get the media, same media coverage as our white counterparts? Like, is it, a, is it because of our skin? Is it because that you feel like the, the people don't care about us? Or do you feel like we as a village don't put enough behind us? I think it's twofold. Um, you know, from a law enforcement perspective, oftentimes when families go to law enforcement and they report their loved one missing, you know, when it's a child, they like to label them as a runaway and runaways do not receive the Amber Alert. And then there's no sense of urgency in looking for them because they're broadcasting as, you know, this child ran away or they just simply not taking the police report. And when it comes to missing adults, uh, men and women, they like to associate their disappearance with some sort of criminal element behind it. And that lessens the sensitivity of getting that case out. It really diminishes the fact that this is someone's you know, wife, someone's daughter, uh, uncle, brother, father that's missing because they're putting that negative information out there. So it really is twofold. And, and Natalie can talk about the media perspective behind it. But before she say anything, I do want to go back and, and say when Natalie and I first started the organization 12 years ago, our community didn't realize that this was an issue because when they turned their televisions on, they didn't see anyone that looked like us. So, you know, we are boots on the ground knocking on the doors, broadcasting the information about our community going missing. And it's all of our responsibility, law enforcement, the media, and the community. Mm -hmm. And from a media perspective, we need more diversity in the newsroom. So we need people to tell the stories and to see the importance of our story that our lives matter. Um, most of the newsrooms are run by white males. So they don't see our stories as being important. So we have to change that narrative. And like Derricka mentioned, you know, we all have a responsibility. It's not just the media, but law enforcement in our community. They need to step up and to bring awareness to these missing individuals and to help find them. Yes. Um, so I'm actually going to I want to delve deeper into that because um, I, I don't know if you guys watch um, the show called The Shy this season, um, mm -hmm. but it, it just became more and more prevalent in the media about how much, how unimportant it is to the general public when a black girl goes missing. So, um, but what we saw in that show, spoiler alert for anyone who did did not watch. <laughs> um, what we saw is the community come together to 
help find her and bring awareness about her even missing. Um, and so I want to know what is the importance of a village in finding our Black people that are missing? Well, first I want to say um, thank you to the, the cast and the creator of The Shy. They partnered with us. Um, especially Burgundy. I mean, she has been an advocate for us and the, the individuals that are missing. She is always sharing their profiles. And they even did a PSA for us. I think there were eight cast members who used their time to say that they stand with the Black and Missing Foundation. But yes, it does take a village. All of us, we need to understand that these are missing mothers and fathers, their children, their grandparents. And we need to you know, to realize that this is a, an issue that affects our community and it affects America as a whole. And we need to take these cases seriously because there are, there are also financial um, implications. If the mother isn't there, the father isn't there, who's taking care of the kids? And we hear so many times that the families are spending every dollar that they have to help find their missing loved ones. So it's a strain on the families and we all have to do our part we all have a role to play in this because think about it, it could be you, it could be your family member, it could be your loved one, and you would want someone to step, to step up and to help find them. And it was great seeing how the community did come together in the show. Um, I think awareness is key. Um, and from the community standpoint, how they were all distributing flyers, passing out the flyers, uh, posting signage everywhere, knocking on doors. It really showed that the community was invested and that's what we asked for from our community as well. See something, say something. You know, one of the takeaways from the show, I hope people are very vigilant about who live in their neighborhoods. You know, just being aware mm. and, and getting to know your neighbors. And even though the show didn't depict, you know, this individual as a uh, a sex, sexual predator, we as an organization encourage people to check the sex offender registry regularly, you know, get to know who your neighbors are, you know, and if you see something, definitely say something. If something doesn't seem right, nine times out of 10, it's not. That's so important. Yeah. That is definitely important. So what else can we do? Like, what else can, um, we do as a like for example i know we are trying to bring the awareness with you guys with you know advertising on our podcast and of course um whenever we see posts we could always repost but what else as a community like can we do like besides just being more aware like how can we put foot to the ground to see if we can actually locate and find our missing loved ones and i actually have a, a follow-up question to that um not to pile it on, but uh, what you said, I just don't want to forget it. When we see those ads on Instagram, or not ads, excuse me, when people post on Instagram that, you know, my little cousin is missing, a lot of people, I think the general consensus is to be like, oh, she probably just, well, like you guys said earlier, ran away, or at her boyfriend's house, or whatever, like the, the psyche that even us as Black people may have, like, why am I going to post this on my Instagram, like, um, like Kel is talking about with the call to action, what more can we do um, other than taking that seriously and I guess figuring out why we don't take it as seriously? So some low hanging fruit things that we can do. 
One, as you mentioned, is to share the profiles of our missing because all it takes is one person to come forward to either close that case or to bring that missing individual home. And we are a national organization and we need boots on the ground when someone goes missing outside of the DMV. We need to have a list of volunteers that are vetted and that we can definitely rely on them to be our advocates in our absence so that they can help these families search for the missing loved ones. Again, um, you know, we talk about voting. This is an election year. We need to go out and vote and elect individuals or leaders that represent our causes. We know that this is an issue that our missing aren't represented. We need to have someone in office that sees this as an issue and takes it seriously and add funding to the cause. So some those are you know, three really simple things that we can do right now to help bring awareness to this, this issue. And then as parents and grandparents, um, from a proactive approach, we need to have those uncomfortable conversations with our children, with our loved ones. Um, you know, parents, stop being your children's friend and be the parent. You know, a lot of kids are learning remotely now, so they're spending a great deal of time online. And these predators mm -hmm. are luring these children online. So monitoring what your children are doing, um, down, you know, see what they're downloading, who they're communicating with. You know, those are some little small things that you can do in your home. And because the, the number way, number one, the number one reason that uh, or number one way a person can actually get in your home without coming through the front door is through that computer or that smart device. Mm. And so just knowing what your children are doing, because human trafficking is real. You know, this is happening right here on U.S. soil, right in our own backyards. You know, oftentimes people think that this is happening abroad. You know, we just worked two cases last week that involved human trafficking. And so we need people to understand and have those uncomfortable conversations. And the last nugget that I would like for us to share, you know, as it relates to our missing and, and posting these flyers on social media, please stop putting your personal cell phone number mm. on those flyers. We have had so many families to be scammed by putting their personal information out there, people are taking advantage and preying on these families. So I have question, two questions for that. One, um, the, I'll comment for the last question, the thing that you mentioned. Should they get like a 1-800 a hotline? Should they just leave it to an, a professional organization such as yourself for them to be able to like have that way, that form of contact because you guys are more of an experts in that, you know, that build that that lane so so there's two it's twofold um we actually put our 877 number on the flyers that we create um that way if there's a tip that comes in not only do we share it with the family but we also share it with law enforcement so they can follow up appropriately and when a police report has already been filed you can use that police uh, phone number, the dispatch number on that flyer, because if anyone has information, they should also be flooding that investigative agency so they can follow up on it as well. So those are two numbers that they can actually put on the flyer, our number as well as the investigating agency number. 
And my other follow-up question was also, it's more of a statement. I recently just saw a, um, I think it was like a Facebook of mini clip of someone, uh, one of these influencers who was talking about how, how we deal with our children. And I remember growing up, my mom would be like, oh, talk to, if, if a stranger is talking to you and they're like, oh, she's so pretty. And you know, your mom was like, say thank you, say thank you. And like, try to like really push the child to engage in these uncomfortable conversations. But we all know children have that like intuitiveness where they can kind of sense when something is off or something isn't right. So what is your, you know, point of view of, you know, making sure that we're not enticing our children to have conversations with strangers just for the sense of, you know, being friendly? You know, that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, as far as a response, I would say this, um, I can relate. I grew up in the South and that's how I was raised. And, um, and I'm a parent now and I'm also law enforcement. So I look at things differently. It's no different than your parents telling you to eat everything on your plate, but yet majority, you know, there's a lot of people in the U S that are obese, you know? So, you know, you start thinking about certain things and, and as a parent now, I look at things a little bit differently. You know, um, I used to teach the stranger danger, you know, um, I would love for people to just be well aware. I don't see that a lot. Like I used to see back South, but that's not to say that it still doesn't happen. I think they're being very savvy about it. I think they're enticing them online per se um, nowadays. And when a child is online and they're communicating with someone that is hiding behind their keyboard, their computer screen, and they're 25 years old or 35 years old and the kids are pouring out everything in their, in their gut because their parents don't understand them, when they realize that that person they've been communicating with is older, at that point, they don't care. They're like, well, this mm. person understands me because that person is saying exactly what they want to hear. And so that's why it starts in the home with those uncomfortable conversations, you know, about what's really going on. Don't try to shelter your kids about reality because when they walk out the front door, you don't know what these kids that they're hanging around have been exposed to. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And we live in a totally different times and we have to teach our kids about boundaries and we have to teach them about, you know, safe distancing. We talk about social distancing now, but safe distancing. If the child is not comfortable giving an aunt or an uncle a hug or any family member or friend, you know, back in the day, we used to force them to do that. No, as you said before, they have this intuition. And if they're not comfortable, we don't need to make them do anything because that's how they start making decisions, you know? Mm. We want them to force them to say, hey, you have to do this. No, you have a choice. And if it makes you feel uncomfortable, don't do it. And as parents, we need to listen to our kids. So, you know, the child comes back and tells you something that someone makes made them feel uncomfortable. We need to listen and address the issue. I think that that's our main issue um, in our black and brown community is the lack of conversation, the lack of, you know, like really schooling and the education of the worries. I think what happens is we get ashamed of those things and we try to sweep it under the rug like, oh, this never happened. You know, we just put on a brave face and you got to keep moving. You got to keep pushing. But 
this is what happens. And this is probably, I, I mean, you probably can speak a little bit more to it, you especially as a police officer, and you seeing this media as far as with the sex trafficking as to how people can fall prey to that. Um, so I really, we really appreciate you. We appreciate you for even just highlighting that and bringing that to, you know, to the, to the area so that everyone can kind of understand what's going on and how important it is for you as a village and for you as a parent to actually have these uncomfortable conversations in general. And I have, a, I have another question um, that I wanted to find out from you. Do, would you say that it's more so women that are being missing or was, is it more men? What I would say is when Natalie and I initially started the organization 12 years ago, there were more missing Black men than there were Black women in the U.S. It's kind of even out. I mean, the numbers are still alarming. Um, as she stated earlier, our numbers when we started out was 30% of missing persons or persons of color. That number has increased. But, you know, it's, it's, it's that even playing field when it comes to the men and women. Wow. Also consider our boys too when we talk about sex trafficking you think about our young girls. Our boys are being sex trafficked too. So mm. you know it's, it's, it's just a sad statistic all around that our community is being you know taken advantage of as it is. So we need to do a better job in educating and protecting these young men and these women um, you know, we look at the LGBTQ community, they're being affected um, disproportionately. Mm. We need to take a look at our homeless children, like Relisha Rudd, she's still missing. You, I'm sure you all, you know, remember her name and our kids in foster care, you know, they're looked at as throwaway kids, but they are, they're somebody and we need to say their names and no one is really protecting them. They are disappearing at an alarming rate. So holistically, we have a lot of issues within our community that we need to address. And now that school has started back, a lot of these kids, the seniors are off to college in unfamiliar areas. And we've seen an increase of some of these college students going missing, you know, people prey on them. And what I've noticed um, recently, a trend recently within the past few weeks, we've had quite a few missing young men that have met someone online and they went missing as a result. So I don't want people to think that this is just happening to girls as Natalie stated. They are preying on our boys. They are you know, preying on our men and we have to come together as a community. We have, this is a pandemic in itself. So we, we are dealing with so many crisis is right now in our community with COVID, with missing persons of color, and then with the racial inequality. Yes, um, uh, that just reminds me of Ed Buck, who was doing all that to the um, black men. You know, I thank y'all so much for calling that out with the LGBTQ community, because we don't think about that community and how they're, you know, we could even go into back into talking about women, the trans women community. And how much they are disproportionately affected by violence and, um, of course, going missing is part of that as well, too. Um, but again, I echo what Kel said. Thank you so much for um, creating this 
and bringing attention to the fact because y'all are so right i as soon as i heard natalie holloway i knew what you were talking about um but i didn't unfortunately know the other young woman's name mm -hmm. and um that's a problem mm -hmm. and um you know they're looking for i can't even remember the little girl's name um do you remember kaylee say that again kaylee anthony no, the young um, little white girl um, that went missing, and she was a pageant girl. Oh, and Jennifer. Jennifer. Oh, um, Jaja Gabor or something. No, no. No, I, know, I, I, know. I, I remember her name. Yeah, she was. John Benet Ramsey. John Benet Ramsey. Yeah. You know, yes, I couldn't remember her name, but y'all, y'all hear that name and you know it, and and I think that is what's important here. Um, you know, it's sad that these cases even have to happen or, or have to be talked about, but like, we need to know our black names the same way that we know these other names, our black have, and brown names. Have you ever heard of Akia Eggleston? No. no. Have you ever heard of Lacey Peterson? Yes. No. You have? You have? I have. Well, Lacey Peterson went missing. She was pregnant. Akia Eggleston, she went missing May of 2017 from Baltimore, Maryland, and she was pregnant and she's still missing. So, you know, there's so many cases out there. Uh, Chandra Levy, you know, um, Elizabeth Smart, you know, you all recognize those names. But if we start running down a list of our black and brown, and that's why we want to, this is the call to action. What are their names? As Natalie said, what are their names? Say their names. And we have to keep putting that information out there to the public because once we take it down, you know, people think that they've been found and they haven't. So we have to continue, um, you know, and as Natalie stated, it's an American issue. I mean, missing persons is not a black issue. It's not a white issue. It's all of our issue. And we need to, we all have a role to play. We can't always wait on the five and 10 o'clock news cycle. And so social media has been, you know, a blessing and a curse. You know, it's been a blessing for us to get this information out in real time, but it's a curse when the predators are utilizing it for for the wrong. Yeah. So can you tell all our listeners, you know, if they have anyone that loved one that is missing, where they can find out any resources that you can provide to them, and also give out your website for other people to be able to, you know, come in and take that action if they want to reach out to you to be those boots on the ground, like you said in other states and areas of the world, let everyone know like where they can go. Sure, so we ask your listeners to follow us and they can go to bamfi.org. That's bamfi.org. And we have a number of information on our website. You can see people missing from around the country. And please take a moment to see who's missing from your state or your city. They could be missing from your community. We have a checklist there in case your loved one goes missing. We have a number of resources available for families who are searching for their missing loved ones. And we also have our social media handles on our website. So we ask you to follow us and also to donate to the cause because, um, you know, we don't take a salary from this organization. And every dollar that we receive, we give back to the community through flyer distribution, through vigils, um, even through burial services. Sadly, um, quite a few times when someone is missing, they're found deceased and the families don't have any money to bury them. 
and we step in and provide that financial support to them. And you've also been instrumental in the reunification process too, to get that missing loved one from one state back home to their family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we have assisted in bringing home or closure to over 300 people. But if we had more resources, think about the, you know, we could have brought home more people. So that's why we need our community to get involved because we can't do this by ourselves. We need our community to rally behind us and to help us find us. Yes, guys for coming and joining us. And I, I hope everybody who was listening got a chance to listen to you guys when we have our other interview with DC Now events. We're gonna do that IG takeover and we're gonna talk about that as well. So thank you guys once again for coming out and sharing your resources with us and, you know, really elevating that conversation back into our community. And I know Anna and I would definitely be in contact with you guys about how we can actually put, you know, money behind you guys as well as, you know, donating our time and our resources as well. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Using your platform. Thank you. All right. So, yes. That was an amazing interview we had with the CEO um, and partners of the Black and Missing Foundation. Yes, co-founders. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed speaking with Natalie and Derricka. Um, I love to see two Black women, you know, leading a business, uh, starting a business that has, you know, importance and um a great mission behind it, you know, we just, that's what we striving to be, you know, so we love to be in that company, rounding it back to your motivational moment, Kel. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, without further ado, I guess, you know, make sure you guys check out our IG live video. I'm going to try and see if we can get that off of um, DC Now events when we do record it. Um, um, hopefully we can somehow at least tag it into our account too, CCC. Um, but, you know, we're just going to continue having the conversation about Black and Missing in our philanthropy highlights. Mm -hmm. Get up, get out, and get something. How will you make it if you never even try? You need to get up, get out, and get something. Cause you and I got to do for you and I. All right, y'all. So this week, without further ado, of course, like she said before, we are definitely highlighting Black and Missing Foundation. As you know, they are out here, boots to the ground, helping us find our Black and Brown sisters and brothers. <laughs> can't, you know, we can't dismiss the men as well. And, you know, that's that was really interesting to me um, that we heard about in the interview earlier that the men were yeah. actually the most missing versus the women. And you, you know, naturally, I think going into all of us talking about, you know, protecting our girls' world, curls and world, I just knew that the women, the rate of women would be much higher than the men. So that was um, a complete surprise to me. Yes, it was a surprise to me too. And, um, you know, maybe next episode we could touch upon that and like how figuring out ways to protect our men the same way you know I mean we already do that but it's like protecting them but also pre protecting ourselves how do we do that you know we it's almost as if we have to choose 
between the two on a deeper level. Like, you know, we have to put one at the forefront more so than the other. And we see that it's, it feels more like it's the men, but that's a deeper conversation Indeed. that we will have later. <laughs> Let's talk about the philanthropy highlight at hand. Yes. So Black and Missing Foundation, they've been established as a nonprofit organization whose mission is to bring awareness to missing persons of color, provide vital resources and tools to missing persons, families, and friends, and to educate the minority community on personal safety. This has been founded since 2008. And the thing I like about the Black and Missing Foundation is it's not like no fly by night, you know, um, and this and this is no shade to any neighborhood watches type of organizations, but the fact that they actually have expert opinions, because this was a veteran of law enforcement official and a public relations specialist, which is the two main ingredients you need in order to find missing people who have come together to be able to actually help us find and locate our black um, missing loved ones. So to find out uh, more information about how you can help or how, you know, you can, if you're in need or in search of trying to find your loved one and you just don't know what to do and you feel like you're not getting the proper resources, check out blackandmissinginc.com to find more information about that. And definitely, y'all, I know we always talk about donating um, your time and donating your resources and donating your creative vision. For this one, I am really going to put the stress on donating cash flow to this organization because they really are digging into their pockets to make sure that whenever you see those flyers going out, like um, they said on our interview with when they're, um, when they do end up finding the loved ones, a lot of the times they're unfortunately have passed and they're deceased and they donate the funds towards their, you know, their funeral costs. So they go above and beyond. So I, I do stress to all of our listeners, please, if you have you know, five dollars that you that you can waste on Uber Eats, throw that away. Throw it right over there into the donate their bucket. You can donate to their what on their website. So, girl, let's get into this. Yes. I like to propose a toast. I said toast, motherfucker. Last call. Okay. So for today's last call, um, I actually heard this in um, a sermon that I listened to today, and it was mostly about prayer and ways to go about praying. I learned that there's four types of prayer, which are, I might as well share it since I said that, um, giving thanks, supplication, conversations, how about conversations, is a, is a it's a prayer. It's a type of prayer, you know, confirmation, Kel, um, and intercessions. But um, what the pastor was talking about was asking and receiving. And so often we um, ask, and like the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. But we don't remember the seek and you will find. Um, and so we sometimes we ask to receive but we don't seek what we've asked for meaning you ask god to give you that chocolate cake but then you don't go and seek the ingredients 
that you need for that chocolate cake or you don't go and look for where that chocolate cake might be available for you 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 just say oh god it's passive in a sense like oh i just i really want this cupcake lord hmm, i'm gonna just lay here in bed no go get your cupcake and 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 then the way that you'll be blessed by it with it is by god and that's a bad example but you know it also goes along with opportunities <laughs> come on god come with me help me help me lord help me talk through me so i can get this through the people i got you i got you You know it's okay it's, it's about those opportunities so a better example opportunity out there whether it's for your career or for you know whatever in your life that you're that you want out of life and you ask for the opportunity but then you don't go and do nothing about it you know there will be a door that can appear in front of you but you gotta knock on that door sis knock on it okay don't see that door and not knock and sometimes you gotta knock that door down you know, you have to be bold and have faith. And so if you told God you wanted that job, go get that job. Go get it. I can't remember how the song go, but it's a Mary Mary song. Go get it. All right. Go get your blessing. <laughs> yeah. No, it's that you um, did one on prayer, y'all. I swear me and Anna, it, I don't know if it's the Twix or how aligned we be. <laughs> it's it's crazy y'all so the other day like maybe two or three days ago i randomly got this package at my door from amazon don't know mm. who sent this to me it has it had my name on it and everything didn't see any message and i'm like i know i didn't or i didn't order this journal right like i open it up and it is a prayer journal wow 52 week scriptures devotionals and guided prayer journal I look at my thing because it's funny because I actually was looking for something to get to buy you that I had I saw this before you got engaged and I was like oh you know if Anna ever got engaged I'm gonna get her this and I think I may I had saved it with an old Amazon account that I had and now I don't know the password to get into that one so anyway um I saw this as one of the recommendations that I was gonna you know of a gift that I was gonna give to you didn't get it didn't you know put it in the list or didn't save it or anything so randomly when i see this at my door and i'm like who ordered this there's no name it just has my address i was like well, maybe ended it i don't know who did but clearly this is what i needed and then for you to come back with the prayers it's just like confirmation mufasa wow <laughs> yeah confirmation i said mufasa <laughs> no i say mufasa when it's like woo right <laughs> yesterday i was like I, I'm, I'm gonna try to write it in that journal like i've been looking at it and looking at it never really had the time to to actually to open it since i got the package today was the only day that i actually woke up i was like i'm making time to at least write one page of this thing into the journal so when you end up mentioning prayer in the last call it was just like how did this happen <laughs> yeah yeah wow Yes, confirmation the power of prayer um and definitely reflection i actually am i'm going to you know continue in my journey with this like i've been really on this devotional kick i know me and anna both talk about how we're doing devotionals in the morning um but i really want to start adding more um i wanted to pray more and i wanted to 
like you said, pray and and seek after with the things that I want. Right now, one of my focuses, and I'm putting this out into manifestation, not even just mm-hmm. manifestation, but just manifestation, is I'm in prayer for a new home. I'm, you know, my lease is up in December, and I'm praying for a home. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I touch and agree with you on that. Yes. So um, I, I really want to start putting all those things that I have in my head into my prayers, onto the paper, and letting God from to receive that and hopefully something manifests from that. So I will, you know, share with you guys on the podcast. See, I was trying to, I was trying to make this a short last call, but (laughs) here we go in the name of Jesus. This sermon I'm going to share with you. He said a vibrant prayer life will produce a powerful and vibrant outer life. So that means what you do in secret God will bless you with openly. What you do spiritually, God will bless you with naturally. Naturally, And, um, you know, basically, that's part of that expectation um, is the prayer, knowing that the prayer is invoking the power of God, um, which means that it's bringing heaven's resources into earthly circumstances. Like when you know, you know, that it's just like, God, I don't even know how that's going to happen, but I want it. I want it. And I think I deserve it. And, and just praying for it and asking God for it. You know, it's possible. It's always possible. All things through Christ <laughs> are possible. Uh, Philippians 4.13, look it up. Um, and the words are starting to escape me now, but I'm going to send you that because it really is freaky. Again, like you said, Twix, Twix and God. Um, that sermon was all about putting more prayer into your lifestyle, right. blessing everything, like putting more prayer and asking. And, and when you um, pray more often, it really activates all those things that I just mentioned before. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna just leave it at that. I am going to make sure that I have Dennis send me that link so you can check it out and listen to it. Yes, absolutely. Well, until next time, make sure you guys always tune into our episodes. We do these podcasts every Thursday. Um, yeah, (laughs) for your consumption, yeah, we're gonna get back on schedule. They be all right, right? They be all right, you know, at least we ain't coming late. Right. We coming early. They can still get this on Thursday. Ain't no worries. Ain't no worries. You can still get this on Thursday. Okay. I ain't got no worries. Right. I ain't got no. Yeah, I go with the secular. <laughs> All right, y'all know we ratchets and ratchet. So uh, on that note, make sure you follow us at Cognac Cupcakes and Conversations on Instagram and Facebook. Make sure you follow us at um, CCC Vibes on Twitter. Um, check out the merch on the website, cognaccupcakesandconversations.com. And, um, you know, we're going to start doing events again soon. I'm going to just put that out there. Yeah. Because it seems like more and more people are interested in that. Um, so, you know, talking about manifestation, you know, we want y'all to know that we definitely want to get back to doing our benefit events. And this is probably a time when more people need it than, than don't. Um, they need help so um yeah i'm gonna leave it at that till next week y'all
out. Make sure you watch us on IG Live if you haven't already. Peace out. Bye. It's a vibe.